The OSS Cubed is back with over $14 million in guaranteed prize pools from September 24th to October 22nd. This massive tournament series features three $1 million guaranteed tournaments. The first takes place on October 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring a half-price buy-in of just $265. Just one week later, on October 22nd, we'll have two million-dollar tourneys the same day, one with a $540 buy-in and the Boss Main Event with a $2,100 buy-in. AmericasCardRoom.com Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 149 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter, and follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, please email questions at oneouter.com or tweet them or post them in the Facebook group and they will get read out on a future show. Alex, you are here with us again. It's Thursday evening in Scotland and are you kneeling or standing just now? I'm drink, drinking coffee in a crouch that my trainer and girlfriend would yell at me for about. But, yeah, uh, I, should we talk about that? I, I don't think anybody else has commented on that. Well, it, one, the first thing, it bores me because it's American football, firstly. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing, yeah, it seems to be the latest uh, thing that's getting tweeted, retweeted, liked, comments, etc. So... If you've got a take on it, then let's let's take five minutes to to get that out your system. This is the this is the venue to do it for your listeners and followers and stuff. And um, yeah, if you've got anything to say on that, and then we will talk about my adventures in poker recently, and then we'll get onto the questions. So the floor's your uh, yours, Alex. I like this. Well, you guys know me. I typically don't like to share my opinions about anything, but I'll make an exception in this rare case. You know the United States is twenty trillion in debt. Twenty trillion dollars. Have you heard anybody talking about that? Recently, there was a new law passed where they can just break into random people's houses, uh, detain you uh, without due process, uh, direct <coughs> affront to your constitutional rights. Nobody. These are the things I. I'm really worried about, and I can't get anybody to talk about it because we're all talking about kneeling during the American National Anthem, and which to me is neither here nor there. It's, if you want to do it, okay, go ahead. This is the United States. You do have freedom of speech, right? That goes for Ben Shapiro at college campuses. Can't be stopped by Antifa uh, because somehow... Uh, an Orthodox Jew is a white supremacist. And it also goes for if a black man wants to kneel during the national anthem. Now, does the NFL have the right to fire these people? They have that right, but they should not exercise that right. Uh, because that's, uh, they're not doing anything. I want to, okay, when the, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, whenever 
the national anthem is played, even when I'm at a minor league ballpark, and I could get away with, like, finishing to get my hot dog or something, I personally put my hand over my heart, I take off my hat, and I do it because I've lived all over the world, and I really do like living in this country. This country is really giving. We give a ton of money to charity, and I'm very proud to be from this country. Does that mean this country's perfect? No. And I can't really speak to the African-American experience, so if they want to do something which is a very peaceful protest, it's not my place to comment. It's not my... I, I don't... I don't really have an opinion on that front. I think adults can make their own decisions. And I, you know, kind of weird with Colin Kaepernick, uh, just the whole situation. Some people saying they offered him a job, he didn't take it. Uh, other people saying he got blackballed. Who knows? Uh, not, 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 uh, neither here nor there. I don't really know what to say uh, on that front. But the thing, I'll, I'll tell you what really bugs me, though, Barry, is the, the virtue signaling. The everybody has to make a post about it on Facebook. Everybody has to weigh in with their opinion, and it just so happens to match whatever their side is. Now, I'm kind of in the middle when it comes to politics, don't really care about pretty much anything as long as you leave me alone and you leave other people alone. But you, just to see other people toe the party line on everything just drives me insane. And it is virtue signaling. This is what bugs me, okay? I had to look this up the other day just out of curiosity. Do you know how many slaves there are in the world right now, Barry? Um, about 30 million. Yeah, because we've ranted about this before, <laughs> right? <laughs> we've <Yeah>. been <laughs> supposed to play along, buddy. I, I, yeah, I, I, I set up Alex up there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, okay, there's 30 million slaves in the world today, 2017. The transatlantic slave trade, according to the, tra according to the database, had 12.5 million people shipped to the New World. So there's a whole lot of talking about, well, we have to... Uh, and it's all well and fine to talk in the United States about race. I think we're doing a lot better when it comes to race issues because it does get talked about. It, but at the same time, people say, I want to I wanted stand up for inequality. I would argue being enslaved would be the ultimate inequality. And how many of these people that take all this time to debate on Facebook, and we're talking hours of time, so hours times millions of people, these are millions of hours. If they had devoted that to just picking up an extra shift at their work, sending in some of these uh, American GIs that are freeing slaves around the world, 
What could you have really done for inequality? What could you have done? But nobody wants to do anything. Everybody wants to... We talked about this when that awful terrorist attack happened in France, and everybody changes their Facebook status, and then they go, time to call it a day. Yeah. All right. I sure did. What did you do? What did you do? Talking is nothing. Talking does nothing. Now, I'm actually on the side of white people should be made uncomfortable about race. They should be confronted once in a while. Because before, I was confronted a bit by my girlfriend's Asian, uh, my best friend is black, and a few of the things they've confronted me with, I went, holy hell, I've never thought of that. And that was really good. I do believe in that, and I think when people get really mad about that kind of thing, I think it's kind of stupid. But on the other side, if we're really going to do something about making this world a better place, how, how many people actually give money to charity? And I don't mean like get accosted outside of QFC and give $5. How many, how many people actually care about anything? If you're worried about the inner city, do you volunteer your time down there? Do you go down there and patronize their businesses? If you want to meet people of other races, do you invite them to your house for dinner? Or do you sit around with your white friends in Williamsburg and talk about the inequality between races? Do you smoke pot and pontificate about how much better you are than everybody else? There's a whole lot of that going on. And that bugs me. That really bugs me. uh, uh, I'm done. So let's talk about your poker, because that's really important, Barry. (laughs) Uh, A couple of things. Oh, I can hear myself back, Alex. You're you're setting me up. I'll I'll, I'll mute it. I'm here, though. Okay. And, um, yeah, recently there was a little notice on one of the Facebook groups I'm in, a local Scottish one, and there's a 440 buy-in event on the Genting Poker Tour, which is like an association with poker stars now. And they got rid of their UK IPTs and stuff. And there was a satellite a couple of Sundays ago. You could enter for one stars coin, which was like a penny in value. And there was 10 seats guaranteed. So I jumped in it. There was maybe like three, 400 players. And I thought that was it. Registration closed. It was still going. There was like 900 eventually in it. But 10 seats guaranteed. And I ended up, uh, luck boxing myself a uh, seat in it so I'm going to be playing that this weekend so a few people have contacted me on Twitter that said they were maybe going to be going playing it that listen to the podcast so if anybody is listening from Scotland they're going to be there it'd be uh, cool to say you know say hi and I was going to be playing that I'm playing it tomorrow the day one is tomorrow the Friday but the other thing was I've been playing a bit online recently, Zoom Cash and stuff, and doing actually really quite well at it. And I decided to play some tourneys. I played a couple of the WCOOP low ones, the $27, 109s, cashed in a couple of them. And then on Sunday, I played a satellite for the 215 main event. Never got a seat with the satellite, then decided just to buy it anyway. And I ended up having a pretty good run in it. There was like 15,000 started it, and I finished in 300 and something place for $1,200. And I didn't even realize it was a th- like a three-day event. 
Um, I was playing for nine and a bit hours on the Sunday, and the tournament just ended and was like, play will resume in 14 hours. I just assumed it was going to be like Sunday million, just like play right through. But uh, I, I went back. That, uh, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even read it in the lobby or notice it, obviously. And I was like, okay, so it ended. And then I went back the next day, 7 o'clock Europe time. I played. I started the day two with a million chips, and the blinds were, I think they were 6 and 12,000. Um, you know, I had a decent start. A uh, few hands early, a couple of spots, guy opened. Uh, he was playing very tight. I'd been on the table. I flattered him with ace, king of hearts, and it came queen, queen, three. Uh, he oh, hold on, I, run this hand by me again. He opened from where, and you did what, and how deep were the stacks, and why? Um, I, <laughs> I'll need to go into that hand and pull that one, because that's not the main hand uh, that I was playing, but long story short with that one, I flattered ace, king of hearts, and um, it came three, queen, queen. He checked, I checked. The turn came a three. He checked, I bet, and he flattered. The turn was a five, I think, and he checked, and I checked with obviously ace, and he had aces. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's how tight he was playing as well. I'd, I'd need to pull that hand from the thing to actually look at it, but there was reasoning for how I played it. So I felt really good about, I don't know, like maybe it's not great long term, but I just, something told me that, like, if I three yeah, bet, I was getting four bet. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that wasn't the hand anyway. The hand, long story short, I bust out. Uh, Bryn Kenny got moved to the table, and he was play. I didn't get much play with him. I, it was like the long story short. He raised. I three bet with jacks. He sort of thought and then uh, shoved on me, and I called it off with jacks. And I've got the actual hand because I sent it to Alex for a joke saying I need a cuddle, um, <laughs> so I can I can pull up the actual thing and then Alex can can rip me for it or have a look and just say basically the question Alex is how you play jacks. I'm going to ask the question that we've had. <laughs> how deep for you? Uh, I'm just pulling it up here. Um, from memory, I think I had like 24 big blinds at the start of the hand or something. So. Um, yeah, I've got 716,000, and the blinds are... God, this is hard to read from WhatsApp. Um, 30, 60? 50, 15 and 30. Okay, okay, 15 and 30. So you had... Let's see, yeah, 20, 27. Yeah, why, why did you 3-bet uh, to get... How, what was the open size, and what was the 3-bet? Uh, I had like 23 or 24 big blinds, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, he he opened, let me see, I think he min-raised, yeah he did, I can remember it from memory, but I will just double check it, because if we're discussing it, I don't want to just, yeah, he min-raised, so he made it 60,000, I made it 150,000, and he shoved, and I called. Okay. Uh, I, I personally favor the three-bed jam myself. Because yeah, I thought about that. I know, you know, it was like, and then I thought, on you go, Alex. Sorry, I mean, I'll tell you my reasoning, and it's probably a bit of an experience on my part in that stage of a tournament against someone like that. So. Mm-hmm. I have yeah, taken great. I've taken great care to really tell people my opinions lately, as far as poker, because I'm just getting old enough where I don't want to sugarcoat anything anymore. I'm really tired of having people 
hire me so that I can agree with their bogus ass plays. And when I don't getting really mad. So the great way to get rid of those people is to berate you guys the way I did in the last episode where uh, we, we had a few different diatribes about people's questions. Now, Barry, in this case, I have nothing cruel to say. Bryn Kenny is a classic American player. He favors the four bet very much so. That lends credibility to your camp, whereas uh, the small three bet, generally I'm not a big fan of because most people will actually do what, what's more or less a correct strategy, which is they'll flat, and if they hit the board, they get it in, and they tend to not do it as light as I'd like to make that so value-inducing. I will accept the additional variance. But Bryn Kenny is the style player. I could just see getting it in with twos, threes, fours, fives there, ace, ten, uh, ace, seven suited. Whereas I don't think that's in the traditional player's repertoire right now. So for that reason, I favor your play. Although, to be perfectly honest with you, in the moment, I probably shove and don't do what I believe is the correct play, which is your play. See, I, I thought, and I did take my time, I, I just, as soon as he four-bet me, like, shoved, and it's on me to call, I was like, yeah, I could have avoided this by shoving, but if he's got, if I'm cooler to you, then so be it, you know, now I've got to make the decision, but then I was like, well, what I have left now against that player, I thought he was capable of doing that, well, like, easily, tens, eights, mm-hmm. nines, and sevens, and ace jacks, ace queens, ace suited, you know, so I was like, yeah, I, I wasn't folding it at any juncture, you know, mm-hmm. but I just thought that um, three bet in that way, and like you say, if he'd have called and then maybe got it in, like, with a little piece of something and whatever, yeah, I just, I, I played it the way I played it, and then I suppose hindsight, because he hit a queen on the river, um, you know, but he's, he's obviously never folding his queen anyway, even if I shoved it. I don't think he's folding his queen now. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. It's, yeah. It, I really like that you didn't just go, oh, it was a cooler, I'm done. You, yeah. took, you took a look at it a bit further. But I want you to avoid in these situations... It's really good to look at other sports in relation to poker because the analytics really helps smooth the edges on certain plays. If you were, let's say you have a really good pitcher in baseball, forgive me for my unbelievable amount of Americanness, Barry. I'm sorry, but I have to use American sports because they're what I'm familiar with. But there's some pitchers who throw a pitch that only gets hit about 24% of the time. That's amazing. Still means one time out of four, the guy's going to hit the ball. You threw a really good pitch. The guy hit the ball. Such is life. By the way, this is a bit off topic, but I always try to do to give credit where credit is due. Uh, the person who really started hammering on the concepts we were talking about at the beginning of this book of actually do something in order to erase inequality and to help the impoverished that was glenn beck and the person who turned that on to me uh who turned me on to that uh just about how (laughs) 
uh, I wasn't really doing much of anything about talking about a lot of problems was, well, Carlos Welch. He, he's really big on what are you going to actually do about mm-hmm. a problem. Not, I, as far as the specifics on that, I don't want to speak to any of his political views or anything because that's something uh, that should be left to him. But he, I always hate when people don't cite their sources, and I just realized I didn't cite my sources there. So thank you guys for this short little interjection. Okay, so basically win a flip next time. But it was funny, I looked at he's had $19 million in live caches. He's number one ranked on that Global Poker Index just now. I was like, come on. It's like, <laughs> you know, you know you could have given me that well, one. I, I could have took that one. <laughs> you're being entitled. Look at yeah, you. No, 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 I'm telling you. a Lamborghini. I'm driving a, I'm driving a Hyundai. Come on, man. Fork it over. <laughs> no, it's not like I, Bernie Sanders right now. No, I'm tilting because he's entitled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just threw oh, it in with the H. I mean, honey, he had Ace Queen. They put it in with Ace Queen against me. I, uh, you know? <laughs> God, man, I uh, it, have you ever had somebody really call you on your crap a lot of the time? No, no, no. And I'm not gonna go after you, Barry. But I've recently had this experience where I have a uh, a friend of mine is training me in the financial district of uh, New York. Maybe if you guys are into the Assassinato Coaching YouTube channel, you just saw a video he did for my students about uh, proper nutrition before you play poker. Very interesting, really cool guy. Doesn't allow me many excuses, right? Which was, and my girlfriend is like that too, just never ever giving me an excuse. And it's It's supremely uncomfortable, right? And I just realized I did it to you right then. And then I I had to take it on the chin yesterday and I started pouting like, no, you don't know how hard it is. And I feel like we do that so much in poker, right? We, but 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 this flip is somehow different than all the other flips. He oh, has no, money. Not at all. I mean, I was being sarcastic. I, no, you know, I don't think you were. Whatever. I don't. Yeah. You brought this up twice now. So no, I'm, genuinely, no. Of course not. It's whatever. No, it I know it's anyone. Strange. It's my. I'm really no, no. Maybe like when I first started playing poker. I, no, now I, there's no way. But I was over that in you know five ten minutes. It was literally. I, I, I just go back to the other day I watched the, the it, was, it was the news, you know, it was like Puerto Rico, people starved at living in tunnels and shit and like stuff that you said about people like escaping their country because in Venezuela because people are eating dog. I mean, genuinely, I cannot. There's no way I'm happy. I, I cashed for $1,200 if you're going to, if you're going to throw a fit around that you know it was a great run it was more getting out the tournament you know what it's like when you're deep in these things and then you're out it's just that feeling of oh, i was enjoying that you know? mm-hmm. it's like I, it's enjoy it's just just to be competing really you know a it's like good place to be right there yeah. hold on you know? a second somebody's calling for shane on uh <laughs> we've talked about shane on this podcast right barry um re- refresh my memory well before, my phone number used to belong to a guy named Shane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it runs a... I get to find out everything he orders from Amazon because I get his confirmation emails. Apparently, really wants vinyl uh, 
sheathing for his uh, lamps, I think was the recent thing. Got, got about eight of those. It sounds like he's doing the ultimate bachelor pad. He's ordering the beer signs, the neon beer, beer signs for his house. And, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> I think, you know what I think is a huge advantage you and I have, Barry, that other people don't have? Is we've been broke. We have yeah. been broke and we have been rich. And many people don't realize they have these illusions like once I reach Oz, everything will make sense. And if I become poor, I will die. Poor people are fat in the United States of America. You will not die if you become poor. If you start doing drugs, you can die. If you have a mental illness, you can die. If you are of sober mind in the United States of America or in most first world countries, you will live. If you were... If you needed a place to sleep, you could go to any 24-hour Starbucks in the United States of America, and most likely no one will bother you. You could even get free water up at the front. You could ask somebody at a grocery store, hey, I really need, I'm really hungry. Is there any way you could buy me some oatmeal? The average person is not going to want to give you a dollar because they're worried you're going to go spend it on slamming heroin. However, if you ask for something such as oatmeal, most people in, in, I would say, Barry, if somebody asked you that genuinely, would you turn them down? Yeah, I'd say, what are you eating that shit for? (laughs) I'll I'll take you for some bacon and pancakes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but, like, if... Anybody ever ask you for an apple at a fruit stand? Like, what are yeah, you going to... of course. You buy you know them, yeah. Yeah, nobody's malicious. Like, they'll get it for you. And then you can take the oatmeal to the Starbucks that will house you. You're not going to get a good night's sleep, but you will be warm and you will have water. And then you could say, could you please put this into your microwave for me and cook it? Nine times out of ten, they'll probably throw you a banana to put on top of it. That's, so you will live if you are poor. And I've got news for you. People who win the lottery or double their income report a 9% increase of satisfaction. You are estimating it right now at thousands. That is the entitlement tilt. Once I have this money, women will love me. I will be able to get the dream house. My relationship with my father will finally be repaired. None of that crap is happening. It won't. I can tell you because I lived it. I got a bunch of money, and then I took a look in the mirror, and I went, well, still the same asshole as yesterday. (laughs) Still was very difficult to talk to a woman. Only now you have the new problem, which only bad women like you. Bad women who want to take your money are really into you. When you're poor and a chick likes you, you have the advantage of knowing this is definitely not for my money. You know that for a fact. You don't get that when you have money. So, I think you and I have been poor. So, yes, we just love the competition. I love to compete. I, I would have loved the 350000 for first. I well. mean, yeah. That, well, <laughs> the way I nice. say, Dennis and I are going to go up to uh, Montreal in a couple of months. And I said, Dennis, 
I want you to view it this way. You're going to play some cards with your friends. You're going to make a lot of jokes about how much snow there is in this part of the country. You're going to hopefully catch some, uh, hopefully we're hoping to catch some uh, CFL playoff games. Although, obviously, that's probably not going to happen with Montreal. And maybe, just maybe, one time out of 200, someone's going to plop a bunch of money in your lap. If you look at it that way, you're just going to compete and have a good time. You can't lose. The problem is when you go there and you're going, you know what I'd buy if I took first place? You've lost that. It's over. It's uh, because you're not thinking clearly when you get deep. You're oh, thinking. you expect as well when people go to. I'll be up when I first started playing poker. I remember uh, playing a 500 buy-in event when literally I had spent through all basically nearly all my money, and my friend played it as well, and I bought in for 550 pounds when my net worth was like 1300 pounds or something. You know, nice. it's like. Yeah, it's 550. I'd been playing poker a year, I think, and I just thought, like, I've got to win this because, like you say, it's my last chance. You know, I'm not going to have to, go, I'm not going to lose this and then end up having to go and work or whatever or start from scratch again or whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, I made day two and then didn't win the tournament, didn't cash in it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, mm-hmm. I was like, shit, this is what? Like, what? <laughs> you know, I put up that money and I should. But now, yeah, when I, I literally, when I enter a tournament, I'm just like, I tweeted, oh, I forgot to mention this on the last show. I was watching the Poker Go coverage of the WPT, and Jonathan Little, your friend, was commentating on it, and mm-hmm. he was excellent, and he said this thing that really stuck with me, and we've touched on it before in uh, Roundabout Ways, and you phrased it differently yourself, Alex, but he said it, and it just really stuck with me for a few days. I tweeted tweeted him to you know let him know that, and it, it was something along the lines of he was talking with David Williams I think it was and they were talking about this guy like the payout structure now for like five left or four left in the WPT and he was like um, actually it wasn't David Williams it was Scott Blumstein that just won the main event mm-hmm. and they were talking about oh you know it's a 50k jump from fifth to four but you know there should be some if you want to really go for this now like you want to really try and go for you know, one or two here spot and this and that. And Jonathan Little just sort of came away with, um, what if we were okay uh, with whatever place we finished? <laughs> and that Scott, Scott Bloomstein was just like, what? Like, oh, like, that's, you've just totally out me or something he said or something <laughs> like that. And he was like, no, seriously. He was like, what if, what if we were just okay with, like, whatever place we finished, we were okay with it? You know, like... <laughs> And he's like, because that's what I do. I turn up. My my job is to turn up, get like you know, play some cards, get equity, and then go home. And what mm-hmm. will be will be, sort of thing. And then he was like, but maybe that's why I've not won in ten years or something like that. <laughs> he's not won a tournament, but it just really stuck with me the way he said it. I don't know the tone of his voice, something. And it was just very. It's so true because anything else is insanity. I mean, you've got to give up trying to think you can wish your way to a tournament win or control cards or some shit or I don't know you know it's like you gotta just what will be will be and as I said it before I even started the day too it was like my my brother I was like you know what I said as long as I don't go out and I'm going fuck why did I do that you know it's like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's when I hate going out a tournament when I've got that feeling of 
I really didn't need to do that mm -hmm. there or why did I do that? You know, it's like, have I not learned my lesson sort of thing? It's That's when I hate busting a tournament. When I bust a tournament, when I've made a move that I thought was good and then after a few days I look and I go, no, nah, I'm still happy with that or whatever, then I'm fine with it, 100%. Mm -hmm. Fine with it, you know? I, uh... By the way, we're not getting to any of your questions today because I'm about to go on another one of my oh-so-eloquent speeches. Well, well, we'll maybe get to one. And, and yeah. I, I do remind me to announce something at the end as well because I forgot to say at the start of the show, but we'll do it at the end. Mm -hmm. I guess we also fielded your question at the beginning. So Yeah, I, I'm, I'm entitled to one. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll give you one every six years or whatever it's been. Did you hear what I said? I said I'm entitled to one. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. left professional poker because of what you're talking about. The entitlement. I got very entitled because I had given my whole life to the game. And naturally... If you give your life to something, you expect something back. If I gave my life to the army for four years, and then, then at the end, the army said, oh, gee, just kidding about that free college thing, I'd be pretty pissed. Mm. Most people would not join the army if there was nothing to it. No pay, no college, just the discipline. Ironically, you probably should get into the military if you have nothing going for you in life because it will give you the discipline and the brotherhood and the connections to make the, your life the way it, you've envisioned. But I, I got to the point I realized I am a very good poker player. I am a dynamite no-limit hold'em player. You do not want me on any table you ever play at, and that's not enough. It's just like MMA. If you were an MMA fighter, Barry, and you were very good at it, but you weren't a Conor McGregor, would you rather own an MMA gym or be a professional MMA fighter. I just now own a gym. Yeah, exactly. You'd own a gym because it's popping. Everybody's into it. And there's less brain damage. Yeah. <laughs> the, the average MMA fighter, I think, if you're lucky, you pull 80K a fight. And then, by the way, you got to pay your trainers, you got to pay your gym, you got to pay taxes. Even guys like uh, Anderson Silva sometimes only get a couple hundred grand, and then you got to share it with everybody. Not that that's nothing to sneeze at, but what if you're not a good, like a great? What if you're not a giant of the game? Well, I made the logical decision of. I decided to open an MMA gym because there wasn't one on my block, the internet, that I really, really loved. There's a few I thought were pretty good, but I thought I could do it better. Partially motivated this decision was the fact I take care of my mother, and I hesitate to bring that up because I don't want sympathy for it. I don't want credit for it. Any man would do the exact same thing. She's disabled. 
you'd do the same thing for your mom. Every, every man would. And it's given me a discipline I wouldn't have had otherwise. But what I'm realizing, Barry, lately, ever since I officially said, I'm running this gym. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I am not a professional poker player. A professional poker player, when I see a guy at the Orleans playing 1-2, paying his rent, many people make fun of that guy. I respect that guy. I respect that guy enough to not take his title. He has earned professional poker player. If that is his only source of income, if he pays an honest rent, if he pays his taxes, if he pays for his meals, you may mock him, but he is a pro. Just as a journeyman musician is a professional musician. You cannot take that title away from him because you work as a computer programmer four days of the week but, oh, by the way, you play poker on the weekends. You are not a professional poker player. Just because I work in poker does not make me a professional poker player. Is Joe Rogan a professional MMA fighter? No. He's a commentator. I realize I'm an analyst. And even though there's no ESPN for poker yet, I'm an analyst all the same. But it's very funny, Barry. I used to think of championships in the, in the style of, I need this. If I don't have this, I am no one. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I'd been... One thing that crushed me in my unsuccessful marriage was I was very successful when I met my ex-wife. Once I started having to work all the time, once I didn't have money, that's when things naturally became unhinged. Because like anything, if you don't tend to a garden, it's going to wilter and die. I couldn't tend to anything outside of my job. I just wasn't good enough for a while. I fell behind the game. I let the game take me out with Black Friday. I faltered. I went down. And it didn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything because the discipline I get now from teaching, if you want to really know something, you teach it. If I had had a big win back then, I wouldn't be anywhere near as good at No Limit Hold'em as I am today. I, would have, I knew how undisciplined I was in my early 20s. I would have slacked off. I wouldn't have invested the money well. I'd be five years behind the game right now, and I wouldn't have money. Worst thing that could have ever happened to me would have been winning a big tournament. Would have been winning EPT San Remo. I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. Now, I come to the game with the idea of, I just love to play. I... The other day, Barry, I was watching, okay, I was watching CFL football because football season, uh, oh, yeah, my NFL game pass wasn't delivering to me. And they, for whatever reason, it just didn't, it wasn't working for a few days. So I was watching CFL football on one big screen I have in this tiny room in New Jersey. And I was playing on my other big screen, a bunch of tables on America's card room. 
I was only playing $20 tournaments, $30 tournaments. I was trying to get hand histories for Tournament Poker Edge. I loved it. I had fun the entire night. The entire night I loved it. And I was thinking, I, I wouldn't rather be anywhere right now than in my room listening to music, chilling, watching sports, playing cards. And when I got deep in the tournaments, everything goes off. You start getting into the stats and it becomes more fun. Then I'm winning no matter what. Now I'm thinking of championships again. Still not going to call myself a pro, but I'm thinking of championships. Because it's from this standpoint. It's from this mentality where I cannot lose. I just love it for the purity of play. I can succeed. There's... I recommend anybody who ever visits the United States goes to a minor league baseball game. In these small stadiums where these young men from Venezuela, from really small parts of the United States, rural parts of the United States, uh, from Asia, a lot of guys from really small parts of Taiwan and Japan and South Korea, they all converge upon a city <clears throat> like uh, <coughs> excuse me, a very small city, just a tiny one, and they pretty much get adopted by the town. They literally live, these 33-year-old men will live in people's basements that are pretty much allotted to them for free. And they won't give up because they love to play a game every day. They never say it's a waste of time. Some of them do, but very few do. Many of them, once they go into the coaching side of things, say, if I could, if I could go back, I'd hop right back in that bus and ride it for every country mile because it is a different life when you stop playing a game. It is a different life when you stop learning. It is a different life when you stop enjoying what you do. I watch those guys and I realize they have a problem. If they're, a, they're working in a physical trade, there are guys that grind it out, by the way, in the minor leagues till their 30s and then get the call up to the major leagues and make a couple million dollars. Uh, some guys, fames even of the brewers, had to go to South Korea for years before he came back to the States. They can work their way up. It is possible, but most of the time it doesn't happen. You do not ever have this problem in poker. You can play till you're 80. I'm 29. I conceivably have another 51 years in my career. Think of that. That is insane. And we sit around here complaining because, oh dear God, I didn't win this one tournament. That is astounding to me. That is spitting in the face of all the gifts we are given. And I'm, I, I feel like we've grown quite a bit, haven't we, Barry? Do you remember how much we hated poker when we yeah. started this podcast? <laughs> like, it was well, that's it. It's like I played, you know, to earn money to live off and pay rent and stuff and, hate, and ended up hating it and stopped yeah. playing. I, until last, I'd say until last November, maybe last October, so about a year ago, I hadn't played poker for maybe a full year online. 
and I think I'd maybe played one slide or something like that. And that's going from playing every day for maybe four years, something mm-hmm. like that, or you know, or at least every second day, you know, for mm-hmm. for four years. And I hated it. I I I come to hate it. And then I started playing it again last year. Some live tournaments, enjoyed it. Didn't cash, didn't you know? But enjoyed it again. And then I played a live tournament, final tabled it, went out seventh or eighth, and really enjoyed it. And it was the competition. It's now. I think it's it's weird. It's like you only know it once you've lived it and done it. It's like you say you only know bankroll management until you went broke at least once or twice. You know, it's like or three times or four times, whatever. But um, it's like it is literally the com- the competition and competing now and just playing the game. And I I actually said to my fiance, I said to her, I said, God, thank God I don't play for a living. Like that's my income anymore. And mm-hmm. she said, What do you mean? I said. I said, well, I can just, like, yeah, that's, oh, fuck, I'm out of the tournament, and I'd, I'd rather be playing it, obviously, but I'm out it. But ten minutes later, I was watching something on TV, and, set, you know, just that was it. Whereas, because I know I've got other things going on, business, etc., whereas if I had to just get up the next day and start booting up a load of tables again and grinding out, it would, I would hate it, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't do it for a living anymore, so... I just want to get, you know, improve, keep learning little bits, adding little things to my game, trying things out and play more live when I can and get the chance and also play a little bit more online and just enjoy it and competing and and that's it. And recreationally play, you know, I'd like to be Mm. a happy, successful recreational poker player rather than a miserable professional one. (laughs) And I think that is a fine thing to aspire to. I. I honestly do. And something I want you guys to know. Many of my students tell me, oh, you know, I get really intimidated when I see the young guns at the table. You know, you guys used to intimidate me when I was a young gun. I played with a gun to my head. I, I couldn't lose. I'd given up my life for this. When I got deep in a tournament, do you think I found the hero call deep within me? Do you think I found the four bet that was necessary? No. If anybody was going to choke in that tournament, it was the guy who had staked his very life on the game. Mm -hmm. You lose at a poker tournament. You go back home to your dogs, your wife, your husband, your fiancé. In Barry's case, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it is. Or you go back to the peace and quiet of bachelordom, whatever it is. You go back home, you have your job, you have your 401k, you have your health care, you have stability, you have a paycheck. None of those are things we have. Or I had. You're free to do anything you want. If you lose the tournament, nothing happens. Nothing should happen. It should be recreational money. You can do anything you want. That's why when I see so many of you just piddle around and not really execute, make it to day two so you can say you made day two, limp into the final table so you can say you made the final table, I get disgusted. 
You guys have every advantage in the world, and you just don't want to take it, advantage of it. You have nothing to lose. You're not supposed to win a poker tournament. The way you're definitely not going to win a poker tournament is with excessive caution. If you think you're ahead of somebody's range, three back down. If you think you have the best hand, go for their stack. And increasingly, in my, in my lessons, Barry, I've started using this phrase. You didn't want to win this poker tournament. You wanted to show up. You wanted to min cash. You wanted to tell your buddies you played this tournament. You didn't want it. You didn't play like you wanted it. When I see a guy triple barrel all in with top pair, top kicker, I'm the only guy not snickering when he runs into a set. Everybody who's snickering to me is a loser. A complete loser. That guy is a... That guy is playing like a pro. He wants it. She wants it. She's going for it. She thinks she has the best hand. He thinks he has the best hand. He goes for the kill. That's what a poker player does. You check that top pair, I'm disgusted. Especially when you know damn well it's the best hand 80-90% of the time. You're so afraid of looking stupid one time out of ten. You just decide you don't want it. You woke up. You told everybody you were going to play this poker tournament. You told the boys at the home game. You told your boss at work. You dressed up, you drove there, you sat down, you took a picture for Facebook. Why? You didn't want it. You just showed up to tell people you're a poker player. You're not a poker player. (laughs) You're just showing up. Half of life is showing up, and then the other half is showing up. There's a big difference between the two. All right, Barry, what do you have to announce? Um, I'm going to... I can hear myself. I'll mute, I'll mute myself. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we're going to get Alan Boston back on the podcast. Uh, I had him on a few years ago, and it was one of the most popular podcasts and still is one of the most downloaded episodes. I know he has a big following of uh, people who follow his picks and stuff with the basketball and other sports betting. And lots of people always like seeing his interviews on YouTube, etc. And I really enjoyed my time with Alan. And we've kept in contact over the years, messaging back and forward now and again. Everything from little bits of advice, etc. And uh, movie talk and TV talk, etc. So I was going to get him on earlier in the year, but one thing's led to another. But I'm going to get him on next week, possibly the week after. We've got it all set up and I'm going to find the time. So if anybody has any questions for Alan Boston... We're going to do like a little bumper episode extra. They'll still be Ask Alex every week. But yeah, I'm going to do maybe another couple more of these um, long-form interviews with people that I used to do as well, just to give you guys something else for listening to the show. So any questions for Alan Boston, please email questions at com, and we'll get them read out. And that's it. That is awfully uncharacteristically giving of you, Barry. (laughs) (laughs) Barry's usually... uh, like, I guarantee you right after we're done, Barry's going to be like, yeah, uh, don't forget to pay me this month. 
Uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Like, yeah, I barely see, I Actually, you've, you've saved me saying it. Yeah, I was. I yeah. was, though. <laughs> <laughs> wow, bumper episode, huh? You must really yeah. like Alan Boston. Otherwise, there is no way you'd be doing this. That's a testament at how good Alan Boston is, by the way. If yeah, Darren's yeah. going to do this out of the non-kindness of his heart. <laughs> Uh, um, honestly, yeah, honestly, Barry gives his time very graciously. We Barry and I just BS for twenty minutes before every one of these uh, one of these shows, and half the time it's like an older brother giving me advice. By the way, Barry, one of these days I'm going to have to meet you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are, we are. I'm, I'm definitely going to go over to America again at some point. I was actually thinking next year. And nice. obviously Vegas would be a good place to meet up if you're if you're going to be there for the series or any tournaments or that. But I also do fancy Canada as well. So, um, or especially now you're um, East Coast as well. I do want to go. No, we will. We will. We'll get it sorted. Yes, sir. Will, I'm I'm um, telling my girl Scotland's the place to be. We both have Scottish families, so might be time to finally go over there and see. Something. I don't know. <laughs> What's in Scotland? Um, junk, junkies. Junkies? <laughs> no, I'm joking. There's, ju- there's junkies everywhere. Um, no, what I was going to say, the Alan Boston thing, there was a documentary called The Best of It that just came out last year. And I was like, oh, Alan Boston's one of the feature guys that they're following in it. And there's another guy, and Alan... Uh, Dink, his nickname is, he was the subject of the book Lay the Favourite by Beth Raymer, which is one of my favourite gambling books of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, I've got to see this documentary. So obviously I did the cheap thing, because like Alex has mentioned, <laughs> I did, you know, I was like, YouTube, nah, there was only trailers on it. Looked on other avenues, etc. Could not find this documentary. So I was like, you know what, I really want to see this documentary. These guys have taken the time to watch this documentary. Let's just buy it. How's how novel, Alex? In this day and age of, you know. So I said I'm going to buy it. So I went on and it was the same price on iTunes as it was on Amazon. So I bought it on Amazon. So I have one of those uh, Amazon Fire sticks. Same, same. And um, it was twelve pounds ninety nine, and it Damn. was fin- <laughs> Sorry, fin- go ahead. It, yeah, yeah. It was phenomenal, Alex. You yeah. got to go and buy it. Yeah, the best it of it. You will, you will like it. It's. And even if you're not really into sports betting or gambling, I mean, anybody that's listening to the show is, is into gambling or remotely into it, you know. So um, it goes without saying that you like it, but it's the whole human aspect of the characters that they follow. And I don't want to tell too much about it, and nobody research it if you are going to watch it. Just watch it, because there's stuff that happens in it that is like it leaves you with, holy shit, at the end. Um, <laughs> so I would, I would recommend it. I mean, it's on for about an hour 45 or two hours, and... It is great. It's a great, great show, and you will really enjoy it. So it's called The Best of It, and it came out in 2016, and it's available from iTunes and also Amazon Store, etc., and place, other places, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, check it out. Definitely check it out. You can rent it for one ninety nine or two ninety nine or whatever as well. Um, oh, so you were, just, you were just putting a little money in their coffers. That was good of well, you. I thought, buy it. Yeah, and then I read, I think you could... I was like, hang on a minute, I, I kind of screwed myself with the maths, because 199, am I really going to watch it six times or more? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> No, I, 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 always, 
the way I think of things, I buy CDs at a bunch of local shows, and I don't ever listen to them because who listens to a CD anymore? Uh, but to me, it's like suggested donation, and oh, by the way, here's a CD if you donate 10 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. I just listen to the CDs on Spotify, and then I, I usually go to a local library and go, hey, you guys want some actual good music? Take this and then hand it off. But yeah, it's a suggested donation. And I think if you want to see more of that stuff, you should support it. So good for you. That's what I said. I said it to them. I said, you know what? I love documentaries like that and about that subject, gambling, sports betting. So if it does well and people like it, then they will make more and other stuff. So yeah, check it out if anybody wants to see it. It's really, really interesting. I loved it. Um, so go and, go and watch it, the best of it. And Alan Boston's featured in it, and he's really good value in it, as are the other characters. Um, it's real good. It's about Vegas in the old days, except for the old sports books and that. Lots of good stories, lots of good information, and you'll learn something from it as well, I'm sure. Um, okay, Alex, that is all we've got time for this week, I think. Um, how can people get in touch with you to join your uh, mental gym? <laughs> uh, check out my new videos on Tournament Poker Edge write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com if you want to do private lessons uh, write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com if you want to see any of my new webinars my webinars are on sale uh, for about another week and uh, follow me on Twitter at the Assassino and sign up for my newsletter at pokerheadrush.com that's my blog site uh, sign up for my newsletter at PokerHeadRush.com to get daily free content and follow America's Card Room's blog because I love it and I also write over there. Okay, Alex, um, thanks for going easy on me on my bust-out hand from the WQIP. <laughs> I do appreciate it. I, it was some form of a cuddle. You know, it was like an awkward <laughs> stepdad cuddle. Uh, uh, guy hug, <laughs> back <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was what it was. Uh, but I do appreciate it. Um, okay, so thanks for listening, everyone. Keep your questions coming in for next week. Questions at onehour.com. We'll get them read out. And until then, cheers. Cheers. The OSS Cubed is back with over $14 million in guaranteed prize pools from September 24th to October 22nd. This massive tournament series features three $1 million guaranteed tournaments. The first takes place on October 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring a half-price buy-in of just $265. Just one week later, on October 22nd, we'll have two million-dollar tourneys the same day, one with a $540 buy-in and the Boss Main Event with a $2,100 buy-in. AmericasCardRoom.com